You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Holy Spirit, I pray for a very short period of time that you would make hearing your word easy, that you would make preaching your word a delight, that every person who calls Salem Tabernacle home would sow their heart into the gospel faithfully, would wait together hand in hand in the midst of life's unresolved issues, and would reap generously the fruit of the Spirit for the life of the world. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask John to hang here for a moment. We're going to worship again in a couple minutes. I just want to share a very quick word now. There's a story in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go to Gaza. And in Gaza, he comes across an Ethiopian sitting in a chariot. The Ethiopian is sitting in a chariot, and his profession is that he handles all of the queen's finances. This is Acts 8, beginning in 26. I'm paraphrasing the story. This man has power. He has position. He has providence. He just got back from a worship service. It says that he went to Jerusalem to worship, and he's now sitting in his chariot reading his word. He's doing all of the things we think the Christian life is all about. He's got, he's encased in a fortress of his own making. He's got himself blessed. He's got a position. He's got finances. He's protected. He's reading his word. He's going to church. But God sends Philip to him. Because something is wrong in that chariot. He doesn't understand what he's reading. Pause there. Go back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, and John, this is terrifying. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You're out. I'm out. There goes the two of us. Stephanie's probably in. I'm sure my in-laws are pretty good. Paul and Barbara are right. You two are out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus, say it better. <laughs> right after that, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we're like, this is embarrassing. And he says, but I'm going to send you a helper. Oh, thank God. I'm going to send you a helper to be with you. And he will reveal all things to you. And then at the end, Krista, Jesus says, if you have my commandments and keep them, I'll manifest myself to you. And then my Father will love you. And again, you're like, Jesus, this is problematic. 
His PR guy should have been like, stop saying this. Tweet better things. No one's going to like this. He says, if you keep my commandments, I'll manifest myself to you. But what's interesting about that is he didn't send John the Baptist to say that to them. He was saying it to them, which means he was already manifesting himself to them, which means somewhere they must have already kept his commandments, even if they didn't know. Because he says, if you keep them, I'll manifest myself to you. But he's the one standing there saying it to them. So there's this moment where it's like, Jesus, why are you confusing? Why do you say things that way? Because he wants us to know that there is a demand that we follow his commandments. It's not limitless, boundaryless living. He has commands that we must follow. But what he also wants us to know is that he doesn't demand anything he doesn't give us the agency for. He gives us the agency to follow everything he commands. And how does he do it? Because Jesus creates what he commands. Jesus is God. And when God wants to build the world, he says, let there be. And there was. Everything God says, he creates. So when he says, Paul, obey my commands, the minute those words leave John the Baptist's mouth, we're saying, oh no. But the minute they leave God's mouth, in you is immediately created the capacity to do what he just said because he creates what he says. This is why when somebody like Stephanie stands up and says, the Spirit told me to say, this is why these moments are so important. When somebody has a word and they speak what the Spirit is saying, it's so important because the Spirit is creating what he's saying. It's not like when other people speak. But Jesus also is what he commands. And what does he command? This is my commandment that you... The law is summed up in these two commandments. Love God, love neighbor. This is my commandment that you love. Well, what is love? Love is the full offering of yourself for another. And some people say expecting nothing in return, but I disagree with that. Because what we should expect in return for our love is to see God's goodness happen in the person's life that we loved. Our reward is to see goodness happen in somebody else's life. Hebrews says he rewards those who diligently seek after him. Well, what is seeking after him? Me seeking after Christ is loving you. And the reward I get is when I see goodness happen in your life. Because I've loved you. Because the Spirit has loved me into loving you. And now goodness is happening in your life. And what's the goodness? It's you now being filled with the agency to love. And watch that goodness happen in somebody else's life. Jesus is not giving us an ultimatum. He's saying, I demand you keep my commandments, but I'm also going to give you myself. And myself has kept all of my commandments. And so whenever you're weak, myself, my spirit will fill you. And you'll get it right. Sometimes that'll mean actually getting it right that one time. 
Sometimes it'll mean repenting for getting it wrong, which is how we help things get right. Okay, so what's the point of the story of Philip and the Ethiopian? Jesus says, I'm going to send my spirit to you. What is the spirit's primary job? The spirit's primary job, Salem, Salem at home. Turn up the volume. The spirit's primary job is family making. To create in us the capacity to build a family. And everything that comes with it. Not just full buildings. You could have a whole bunch of people. This, every seat could be filled in this room with people who don't like each other, and it's not church yet. You could scatter people around in the second service because everybody loves to go to the first service and get Jesus out of the way. You're the real troopers here. Let's get Jesus out of the way so we get to Cracker Barrel. The, the Cracker Barrel, I'm sorry. That's not... There's a sense of family that comes with a feeling you carry around about the moments you've had together. And that feeling helps you keep building those moments even when sometimes you feel like the family you're building them for doesn't deserve it. I know my mom cooked a few meals where she was like, I want to hit Billy with this frying pan, not make steakums in it. <laughs> Remember steakums? Yo, I really have ADD. It's a problem. <laughs> Steakums, I'm starving. Let's get the worship team up here. Let's get to the table. Oh. There's no way. There's no way that Jacqueline hasn't put a meal on the table where she was like, I hope nobody shows up to it today except for me. <laughs> These moments, yes, but there's something in you that remembers, that holds on to this thing that you can't explain, this meaning about family that makes you ooze with the desire to keep going, keep doing it. And God wants us to walk around with that feeling. That's, that feeling is the Holy Spirit. It's not, people will tell you, you're just stuck in nostalgia. No, you're stuck in the Spirit. The Spirit helps you remember people the best. Remember we, we remember every memory better than it happened, I promise you. When you think back to that Christmas and you just, you remember it, I bet you somebody did something really stupid to you at that point in that day that you forgot about. You remember things better than they happen because God wants you building. So this Ethiopian, in his chariot, fully productive. This is a productive man. He rides around in his chariot. He's got money. He's got a position. He's got his Bible. He's been to church, and he's missing something. What is he missing? He can't interpret what he's reading. And, of course, the Bible makes him a eunuch because he can't reproduce. And there are moments as Christians, follow the analogy with me, as Christians where we're so obsessed with our personal production that we've castrated ourselves from being Christianly reproductive. Who have you led to the Lord? 
I'm going to put myself on real blast because I trust you. I haven't led somebody to the Lord that I know of in a very long time. But I'm trooping through a pandemic and I'm sending out a billion emails and I'm preaching my sermons and I'm meeting with the deacons and elders and trustees and we got estimates and renovations ready to go and we got all we got this chariot filled with production but where 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 are the souls where how can we be so personally productive and fail and be fruitful and multiply. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Didn't say go into all the world and renovate your church's bathrooms. So in the middle of all of his production, he doesn't understand Jesus. And God sends him the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit's name is Philip. The Spirit picked Philip up from where he was and put him down next to this man's chariot. And that's how this man encounters the Spirit, by encountering Philip. The Spirit put Philip there. Because the Spirit isn't just a strong gust of amazing wind that blows through a Sunday morning. The Spirit is also the way in which God sends you into somebody else's life. doesn't just fill buildings. He fills hearts with your love that he's loving through you. So what does Philip do? He's just, imagine you're just here and now all of a sudden you're in Gaza and there's a guy in a chariot. What does Philip do? Listen to me. He does exactly what Jesus did when Jesus was 12. He listens, he asks questions, and he speaks. He hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. He's listening. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And then he tells him about Jesus. Starting with the verse that the Ethiopian didn't understand. Didn't start with some clever pitch. He started with right where the person was. And this man who's so tied up in his own production says, get into my chariot. And he invites community in to his isolation. His productive, very organized isolation, but isolation nonetheless. And Philip, and he says to Philip what people in our time and our culture have stopped saying. I don't understand unless someone else interprets it for me. We swear we understand everything there is to know about every hot button issue in the world today because we watched a video. We never say, I don't know unless someone interprets it for me. We are trying to tell everybody else how it should be interpreted. But this man says, how can I unless somebody else talks to me? God will never give you everything you need to live right in him because then you wouldn't need anybody else. He's given somebody else the rest of what you need to live right in him and you won't live right in him until you receive the second part from somebody else. Because God is Father, Son, and Spirit and is all three in order to be God. We can't be by ourselves. He's giving you agency. 
He's giving you the ability to be you. And our role, think about what we say. Think about what we post. Think about the example we're showing. Is it life-giving to people who don't know how to interpret their own life? Are we showing them Jesus, the only key to interpreting anything? Or are we showing them a different version of what they're already confused about? My life is better than yours. Why? We shouldn't be like that. We're in the business of family making. We need to be reproductive as a church. People are stuck in chariots of their own making. And we can't just burst right in. We have to be led along by the gentle movement of the Holy Spirit, which means we need to be open to the gentle movement of the Holy Spirit, which means we all need to know individually where we are not. And here's the thing. I didn't say if, if you're not. All of us are lacking somewhere as a gift given to us by God because we need somebody else. We need to join each other in our chariots of isolation. Get it right so that we can join other people in their chariots of isolation. Stephanie, you could come back on up here. Salem, you can stand to your feet this morning. That man in that chariot was searching and he had no idea what he was even looking for. And the Spirit moves Philip to him. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the obvious response to us is, how can we unless somebody else does it for us? And then Philip says to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless someone interprets it for me? The Holy Spirit is the answer to any of life's how can I's. And he wants to fill you to give other people agency to introduce them to themselves. We introduce people to all kinds of other people. The Holy Spirit wants us introducing people to themselves, their real selves, who they really actually are. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to introduce people to the church, not so our buildings are full, but so that people are introduced to their real self. That's why we cry. That's why we kneel. That's why we lift our hands, because we're finding our actual selves. The Holy Spirit is revealing ourselves to us. We leave here every Sunday just a little bit more aware of who we are, and it probably gets drowned out by Wednesday when the world's telling us, no, you're not those things. But we got to hold on with each other. It's a very simple message. We talk about the entrance of the Holy Spirit, like what's the primary evidence? Is it tongues? Is it power? Is it healings? I hope it's healings. See my boot? It's family making. What are all those gifts for that we debate about? They're for building a family. <laughs> and then keeping it healthy. Building it and keeping it healthy. We need to be not just personally productive, 
But as a body, we need to be reproductive. We need to be reproducing our Christian self. Joining, telling people you're part of this story and you don't even know it. Well, I've made so many mistakes. You think your problem is that you can't remove the stone. But behind that stone isn't what you think. God's going to give you the grace to remove your stone so that you can see he's healed more than you could ever possibly imagine. (laughs) The stone is removed as a revelation, not as an event. Jesus is already gone when the stone is moved. The stone is moved to show you that he has healed more than you could ever even repent of. That's what we're here to tell people. So let the worship team minister. Let's stay in God's presence. Ask yourself, who do you need to invite into your chariot? And then ask yourself, are you the kind of person who's willing to be sent to a desolate place, to somebody else's chariot who looks nothing like you, Philip and the Ethiopian, could not be farther apart. God, why would you send me to him? I don't know how to talk to him. We have nothing in common. Exactly. I have everything in common with him. Just ask him some questions. Just ask him some questions. That's it. Somebody said to me once, Pastor, I have trouble talking to people about certain issues because I'm not as eloquent as you are. And I said, since when do you need to be eloquent to listen? The problem with that statement is the person sees themselves talking when they imagine the conversation. How do I? I can't talk to Stephanie. We're so different. I'm not eloquent enough to to talk to Stephanie. Well, why in this scenario am I the one yapping? You don't even need, like, you just, your ears don't need to be able to talk at all. Just need to listen. He listened. He asked questions, and then he was invited, and then you don't need to be eloquent, you just need to be yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit while we sing to get you to that place where you can go back to your first love, and your first love is loving God recklessly and then sharing him with everybody else recklessly. Let the Spirit minister to you this morning. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.